The Lord God Almighty gave our ancestors a long time ago 10 commandments. And those 10 commandments are still as important to us today. They still show us the perfect way of being in relationship with God and being in relationship with each other. That's what they're all about. But what's interesting, when you look at the Ten Commandments, you notice that God put them in order. Like the first one is really important because if you don't get the first one right, the other nine really, they just fade to gray, in my opinion, if we don't get the first one right. So we're going to start with some Bible trivia. And I want to hear from the upper deck today. I've not heard you guys. And those online, you can type this. Like right if you're on Facebook Live, type there with us. But what is the first commandment of the Ten Commandments? You don't have to get the words just right. What's the gist of the first commandment? Come on, be loud so I can hear you. Love God, right? And this is actually what it is in Exodus uh, chapter 20. It says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God than me. So I can summarize that in two words. God says in the first commandment, worship me. Worship me. Now the second commandment is a lot like the first one, but it's different. What's the second one? Let's hear it. Loud. Come on, be brave. Thank you. Let there be no other gods but me. And so here it is in Exodus 20, verse 4. It says, You must not make for yourself an idol or any kind of image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. So the first in two words is worship me. The second in a short span here is don't worship anything else. So now let's jump out of the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. Let's get to the New Testament where Jesus, God on earth, shared with us the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment. What's the greatest commandment? Come on. Thank you. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is a first and greatest commandment. So Jesus said, worship with your everything. So let's look at those three. God said, here's, here's these two are really important. Worship me and don't worship anything else. And Jesus says, let me cap that off. Worship him with everything you got. And that's our that's exactly where we're going to start today is we're to worship God alone with everything we got. Worship is so important that God made it a priority in the commandments and Jesus made it the greatest commandment. Worship before anything else is so important that we're going to spend five weeks talking about worship. And ladies and gentlemen, that'll be a 30,000 foot, 30, foot flyover. <laughs> because there's so much we can talk about worship. But the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about worship. We're going to be talking about what is it? What really is it? That's kind of today. Who's it for? That's today. How do we get it right? How do we get it wrong? How do we worship? Before we jump into this, I'm glad you're all here. 
Thank you for being here together to worship together today. I want to welcome those who are online. Um, just super stoked about the next, I was super stoked about it. I'm a super stoked every time I get up here. But it's like, I'm really excited about this because um, this series is, it follows up from our series on Ephesians where we're talking about we are unified in one in a world that's really broken apart. We are unified and because of that we bring others into that unity. And so this follows that. This is worship is the one way that we remain unified and we come together in one voice and uh, it's, a, it's a big topic let me let me not spin my wheels there and so but before we jump into there to our guests give me a moment with our guests our guests today uh, my name is brian i'm our lead pastor there's this worship guide you got and there's this outline so this this sermon today as we go into worship a call to worship is an outline this is kind of the foundation so when you fill this out you're kind of seeing the foundation of everything we're going to talk about for the next few weeks so you can follow along there i do want to go over one other announcement that Lene did not cover uh, she left it for me and so it's a trunk or treat on here is actually a week from tomorrow, a week from Monday, Halloween night. Uh, there's a tradition here at our church that we're doing trunk or treat. If you're not familiar with trunk or treat, it's basically you decorate the trunk of your pickup or your car with whatever theme you want, and we all line up out here in, in this parking lot, and we give an alternative to arguably the darkest night of the year. We give an alternative for people to come see the light. And we share those themes, and we share candy, and all these families walk in. It looks like right now the weather's going to be 67 and sunny that day. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, we have food, chili dogs, my favorite. Um, we also hand out Bibles and deliver the gospel. And so we're very intentional on this dark night to be the light. We, I think, need some more trunks still. We'd love to fill the lot. So if you can just be creative whenever, whatever way you want to be creative and just decorate your trunk and come join us. Uh, but definitely bring your families and, uh, and bring your friends. Invite the people who don't know Christ to come here with you. It would be a great event to share that with everybody. Making sure I covered everything? Okay, good. Uh, so yeah, this series, Call to Worship. Sermon is a little bit early today, so uh, we're shaking things up a little bit so we can actually talk about worship and then actually feel that or walk into it together in different ways in which we worship. So today we're going to lay a foundation about, well, what is worship and build on that each week. So I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms 146. There's only 150, is it 151? 100, yeah, 150 of them, so it's towards the end. It's probably close to the middle of your Bible in the Old Testament. Psalm 146, I, I'm going to build to it. We're not actually going to talk about it till later, but if you want to be there with me just a little bit later. And as we dig into this, I think it's so important that we first stop and just pray. Uh, pray together, so would you close your eyes with me, and let's just talk to the Holy Spirit who we really need in this moment. Father, first we're going to talk to you because this is praising you and worship's all about you. But Holy Spirit, I just ask in this time that you come as we get into the word that, that none of us can understand this without you. And you amplify it and you add technicolor to the words of our Bible and you really open our minds and hearts if we let you. So Holy Spirit, clear our minds and hearts of everything right now that would block or distract, that would slow down our worship. And open our minds to the God's word because every day of our lives we're going to grow and to understand him more fully, looking forward to that day when all is unified as one. So Holy Spirit, we give you our hearts and minds right now. Shape it, mold it, and if we need convicted, do it. If it stings, let it sting. But direct us in the ways that we can worship the best way we can. We lift this all up in the mighty name of Christ and all God's people said, Amen. 
So the root word of worship, actually, instead of going back to the Greek or maybe the Hebrew, it's Old English is kind of really close to it. it, it the, the root word is worth-ship, worth-ship. So it's anything that we would assign worth to. So we look at the word worship, what is it? Well, it's anything that we're going to assign something or someone that we assign worth to. So as we look, let's just jump into our first note together. First note together, number one, everybody worships. Everybody worships, 100%. Uh, right now, there's, what, seven, almost eight billion people on the planet. Everybody worships. And, and we might, there might be one category we think, like, okay, there's all these different religions and everything. Everybody worships, but it's like, well, do, like, the thing that comes to mind a lot of people is, do atheists worship? It's like, do people, atheists don't believe in a God or a divine uh, being or beings? So what do they assign worth to? Do they do, they do that? So I thought it was interesting. Charles Dar Darwin, as you know, evolutionary scientist, uh, atheist. He wrote this in his autobiography. He said, my chief enjoyment and sole employment throughout life has been scientific work. And from this work, he added, I am never idle, as it is the only thing which makes life endurable to me. His scientific work is the only thing that makes life endurable to him. And that's where he puts all his worth. So yeah, atheists worship. Everybody worships. The question is, what do we assign that worship to? So what is worship for the Christian? Let's just jump to that a little bit. So I, I, I uh, looked at all the various definitions. And I thought, well, let me come up with one that I think kind of picks up all the points. So I, I created this this definition worship is a continuous response to God for who he is for what he's done what he's doing what he will do and it's expressed from our hearts by our mouths our hands and our lives so when you look at this definition worship is to God right so looking at the first commandment it's to God for who he is. So he's the Almighty. He's, he's the one that I know in the Bible when everybody's come close to his presence has hit their knees of who big he, how big he is and how he is such the lover of our souls. But what he's done, what he's done is this book tells us <laughs> from creation to today to the future, it tells us what he's done. And he has loved us, he has created us, and he keeps saving us over and over and over. He did it through Christ. And we don't need to be saved again. Well, one day we will be saved through the action they did. We will be made perfect. But also what he will do, and that's in the Bibles too, his promises that come true, his promises have always come true, what God will do. And because of what God will do in the Bible, that is the only reason you and I have hope. Because our hope is in what he's going to do. Amen? So, so that's what it's about, but it's expressed from our hearts. So this is where it originates. It's, it's expressed from our hearts by our mouths. So not, I mean, worship, a lot of times people just go to singing, and it's a part of it. Worship's so big. But our mouths are how we speak in worship. They're how we sing. They're how we pray. But also our hands. From what comes from our hearts springs action. And our lives and how we worship is actually the action and what our hands do. And you put those two together, it becomes our whole life is worship. So it's a neat, it's a long definition, but it's a neat definition. It kind of encompasses, I believe, everything that needs to be. 
So let's talk about if that's worship for the Christian, then, then where does worship begin? Where's the start point of worship? That's easy. It's where it always is. It's, it's with God. And that's our second note. God initiates worship. This might hit you kind of funny. God initiates worship. So there's an author. Her name's Constance Cherry. She's, uh, she's in our tribe. She's a brilliant writer about worship. Uh, I'm in the book right now, uh, Worship Architect. And amazing writer. And she states that worship is an invitation. It's not an invention. We can assume wrongly that we initiate worship, like what we're doing here in corporate worship together is one body that, that we just, hey, we slap some things together, hey, here we go. But do you know this service in itself started weeks, if not months ago, and working through the Spirit and listening to what we're going to do, how we're going to worship, how we're going to look at His Word, how we're going to sing, how we're going to pray. God initiated all this. It wasn't something we constructed, without Him especially. God always acts first. He approaches us, he calls us, he invites us into worship through his spirit. It was God who summoned Moses to the mountain. It was God that sent Christ to earth. It was God who acted on the first day of Pentecost. And it's God who, if we go back, you know, we're, we're just in the book of Ephesians. If we go back to chapter one, it's God who chose us in Christ. Before the foundation of the world. Does that blow you away? God knew you and me before even set the foundation of our earth. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world according to the good pleasure of his will that we might live for the praise of his glory. God initiates worship. So worship begins with God, but worship is interaction. It's between us and the king of the universe. So what is our role in worship? It's simple. Response. <laughs> That's our role, is response. We respond. So sermon note number three, worship is responding to, with, and for him. So while, while it's an interaction of two, there's three things here that we want to pay attention in the direction. First, our worship is to God. It is to, in the, great, in, the, in the commandment, the first commandment, it is to the one and only God. It's to him. We respond to him. Second, it's with him. Then begins the interaction. God initiates, we respond, and begins a holy dialogue, a holy conversation, a holy relationship between us and him. So it's with him. Worship is with him. And the last is for him. It seems like that word kind of fits with all the others, like it's redundant, but it's different. Commonly, I'll talk about, hey, did you count the number of blessings you had before you even showed up here this morning? how God is so good to us. The fact that we all have breath in our lungs is a gift for today. We have today. We have all day. And, and when, you, when you look at that and you wonder, man, God is so good to us. That's the gift of life, creating us all that. When we worship in response, it's for him. What we are doing is returning a gift to him. We're giving him our best. Our response is for him. It's a gift posture. Not just to him, not just with him, before him. Three different directions there. So I want to challenge us to wrestle with the thought. Some people see us kind of differently, but if, if, I, if we claim that everyone worships, then here's your fourth sermon note. Then everything is worship. 
Now, some people struggle with this, so let me explain kind of clearly the angle of this a little bit. Everything we do is worship. It's a response to someone or something. So you have two scripture references there. The first one is Deuteronomy chapter 4. Now, this is where Jesus quoted from about the great commandment. And so Deuteronomy 6 through 4 says, Listen, O Israel. Now, we can put our name in there. Listen, O America. Listen, O Kansas. Listen, O Manhattan. Listen, family of Westview. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. As we grow in our maturity and our faith every day, our response to God is to love Him, to worship Him with all we have. All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, our action. Ladies and gentlemen, that's everything. And if we're not giving God our all, then something else or someone else is getting our worship. Now, understand the day I come, when I was 33, year old, 33 years old and I decided to follow Christ, I didn't know all this day one. But every day I'm getting this, how I can worship him more and more with all I have. It's a lifelong journey. But this is our goal. If we're not giving God our all, if that's not my daily journey in worship is to give him my all, then something else is getting if I'm not giving him my whole heart, soul, and mind, then something else is getting that. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, warns us of misdirected worship. So let's go to that. Romans 1, verse 20. It says, forever since the world was created. That's a long time, amen? You can say amen. That's part of worship too is your response here. Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing him. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping, the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and even reptiles. That's kind of funky. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired, and as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. This part. And so they worshiped and served things God's created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. So here's worship that's not fully there. And as Christians, our worship can be divided. We know this. God doesn't get our everything at moments or times, but that's our goal, that he gets all of us, everything. If he doesn't get everything, something else is getting that. For example, instead of our job being something I do to worship God, like I love seeing my job. I know it's easy as a pastor. Maybe use a different <laughs> analogy, but I can worship my job and not him. 
But many times, instead of our job being something that worships God, we end up worshiping our job. You see a cycle, like all of a sudden people are putting in 80 hours a week. They don't have any corporate worship. They don't have any, any time together in community, and their family is literally abandoned for some kind of dream. And that's where they worship their job. Instead of their job worshiping God. Another example might be our family. Instead of our family being an offering of worship to God, how we raise our children and how we live, we can actually worship our family. How about those of us, we have a lot of students here, whether college or high school or, or grade school, what about, what, what about worshiping God in my studies being for him, like it's shaping and forming me for whatever he wants versus worshiping our studies? And I think a category here that, that a group here would really resonate with me is graduate students. It consumes your life, and it can be all of a sudden worshiping about our studies instead of letting our studies worship him. I can go on and on and on examples, but throughout the history of the Christian church, there have been seasons where our worship gets really out of balance. And even in this season, today, here at Westview, our worship can actually shift to other things. And I want to go to a different category where sometimes our worship actually can be more about us than it is about God. Or even, and this, even in our church, we struggle with this. We could actually worship our worship. So I thought, well, now this part's going to sting a little bit, so I'm going to try to be funny. <laughs> so we're going to play the family feud, all right? And I want to give you five top answers of where our worship is more about us than it is about God. You ready for this? Now, before you think pastor's coming down on me, I've done all five of these. <laughs> so, you know, the family feud will always start, we surveyed a hundred whatever. And that would be a lie if I told you that. Instead, I think I got some reference from the first service. Instead, we prayed a thousand times <laughs> to come up with these answers. <laughs> so, so, uh, so here are five signs that worship may be more about me. Now, I, I have to do this a little differently because I don't have the technology or randomization, but you guys know the number one answer is the most popular one. So we prayed a thousand times for these answers. The number one answer is the most popular one. What do you think, those online, join me, type, what do you think the number, these are challenging, what do you think the number one answer is that worship is more about me? I want to hear these, come on. Nobody wants to admit this because you, you know what they are. But like, what's that? Music. Like, like it can be more about the music, right? Can we boil that down a little bit so, so we can get a, be, a, a more defined answer? What is it about music that might be more about me? Thank you. That's number one. <laughs> when I'm feeling it. Like I worship when I'm feeling it. And it's like, but ladies and gentlemen, where should be should be when we're not even feeling it. When everything, like if it's certain times, like I, I feel it at church on Sunday or I feel it when I, I'm in the car and crank up this song. Um, what happens in this category is worship is more about my experience instead of my response. Does that make sense? So we want to be cautious of this. It's more about feeling good my goodness, Lamentations is a part of our worship where we're crying out with our soul. Um, okay, that's good. Great start. What do you think number two is? Convenience? Did I, did I hear that? 
So convenience, let me, let me look at my list here because this took a lot of scientific research and theological research. Convenience, convenience, convenience. Um, it's gonna fit in here, kind of, but let's keep going, let's keep going. I didn't get the buzzer, they didn't, get, they didn't allow me to go eh, and kind of like make you feel bad for the day. Give me another one. Sorry, money? So yeah, that can be, it's not in the top five though. It's not in the top five. Give me another one. Come on. Don't be embarrassed. What's that? YouTube. What about YouTube? What do you think is it's more about worship for me? I know it's a tough question. It might be something I'm doing or something I'm worshiping there, but I want to focus on when worship is about me. What was that? Somebody said something over here? Sorry? About being seen. That's a good one too. It did not make the top five. Let me help a little bit here. Number two. Number two. Let's hit it. Exert my preferences. What this means is like when this is what worship is like. It's like, uh, you know, I didn't really enjoy worship because they didn't use the King James Version. Or... I didn't like worshipable. I didn't like that song. We're going to hit on that one a second time. That song didn't really hit me. My preference is that we only do hymns. Um, another one might be exert my preferences. I didn't, I didn't hit on this enough in first service, so I'm going to hit on it now. Because uh, I have to hit on sermons. <laughs> so that sermon, I didn't like, you know, where that went theologically. Um, there's a difference between constructive thought and a difference between a critical spirit. If I walk in this room with a critical spirit and I'm looking to just be the ultimate defender of truth and everything, I can be so distracted that I never worship God. I come here with maybe an agenda and maybe that's something inside of me I need to work on. Let's go to the third one. Uh, this one, I don't know if you'll guess, but I think it's a pretty popular one. Sue, pop up the third one here. Late to church, often. <laughs> often. So, This is where we kind of like, okay, let's go into this one. <laughs> if I shared that Jesus was here today leading worship and preaching, would any of you have been late? But yet, Matthew 18 says, for where two or three gather as my followers, I am there among them. Jesus' presence is here. His presence is there. I mean, this is corporate worship. It's not just about corporate worship. But it's, I want to tell you something special about church services. Do you know the amount of time we put into corporate worship, but we model after the early church and that there's a movement of, of worship that starts always with praise and there's a moment of confession before we even go to God's word so our hearts can be clear and we can see it. And then we're challenging you and we're sending you. There's these movements that have been there since the ancient church in the first decades of the Christian church that we, we, we look at and have the Holy Spirit helps us shape. If you show up, and you miss praising him and miss confession, then your heart's probably not where you need to be for the sermon or even to be launched. Now, this is habitual issues, not like, okay, we're late today and pastor called us out. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when we know it's about him, and I can't wait to get here, like we do everything we can to get here because we're gonna worship in, today. what's so beautiful about Sunday, we worship all week long, What's stupid about Sunday, there's, this is the one thing that unifies us in voice, mind, and spirit when we're here. It's beautiful, but be here for the whole part because there's a very strong theme through the whole thing that moves our hearts together, clears out all the garbage. Anyway, okay. 
Um, fourth one, I don't know if you'll guess this one not, but this is a fun one. Church shopping. So, so this one's kind of funny because um, I've been a pastor here for seven years now, and when I'm out in the community and somebody comes up to me, I have a lot of friends, and but as I meet people all the time, they'll say, well, what do you do? It's a natural question, right? People say, what do you do? Well, I'm the pastor at Westview. Oh, you know what their response is? I used to go to Westview. <laughs> honestly, you, Kara's not in here right now, but honestly, I bet it happens every week. If I had, you know, this old analogy, if I had a nickel, for every time somebody said, I used to go to Westview, we would solve world hunger for 100 years. <laughs> but the beauty of Manhattan is there's so many strong evangelical churches that, man, they do a great job. So it's easy that when my preferences kind of link to preferences, but it's kind of easy to say, well, man, we're just not, we're not focusing on our gifting, we're not focusing on, we're focusing on what we want. And then we go to the next place. And those people move from place to place to place to place to place, just constantly searching for something. There's something in that too. But I, I just want to mention that what's commonly happening here is we're looking for what entertains us versus worshiping the God of the universe. Not always. Kara and I came here because of church shopping as we we're trying to find a home. Like I said, I'm guilty of all these, so don't, I'm not picking on you. Last one. This one you probably know, but it's, it's kind of a summary of all of them. Sue, pop up the last one. It probably really needs to be in number one. I got nothing out of it. Sometimes we'll hear uh, people say, and this, isn't, this is every church, say, I didn't, I didn't get much out of that service. Or, uh, my favorite is, I didn't really like that song. And um, you know what my, so I always have a response as a pastor that gets up to here but never gets past my vocal cords. <laughs> but I'm going to share it with you. When somebody says, I didn't like that song, I like saying, good, it wasn't for you. <laughs> but I don't say good. <laughs> That's not nice. Um, I will tell you all the time we're open to constructive thought here to be better. We're all human. But sometimes you can really get that feeling I came here looking for an experience or something and I didn't get it. Um, we are here for one reason, one reason only and that's to hold the God Almighty through Christ up and hold Him high. That's what worship is. So examine that list. I know it stings a little bit. It stings me as we wrote it. Um, there's a lot more than this list, but discover when worship becomes more about you than why we're really here. And then ask the Holy Spirit, what's he doing in my life to switch that? Like, what is that identifying in me that needs to grow? Okay, so now we got that. Let's go to our next sermon note. So we talked about God initiates worship and then we respond. So, but in our lives, it's important we know this. Worship begins with belief. For us, I know it seems like not rocket science, but worship begins with belief. So to worship the true God through Christ, I gotta believe in him, and then begins my worship journey. So he draws me to him, I respond, and that journey starts with belief. So that's a starting point for all of us. And then we go on this worship journey of growing, and every day our response becomes more and more wide and beautiful to him, where it starts encapsulating everything. But without belief, Worship of God cannot happen and we will be worshiping something else.
the next few weeks, the reason why I brought this up, the next few weeks, next, next Sunday we are doing child dedication. That is a form of worship where we take our child and we say, we're going to raise them in this dark yet beautiful world in other ways, but we're going to raise them, and we need your help, community of faith. And we put forth that child as a dedication and offering to the Lord to raise him in the ways of the Lord, and our church responds. We're doing that next week. That is walking through a doorway of worship, and that is an initiation of that child into the body of Christ. It's symbolic. Two weeks after that, we're going to have a baptism service here. I think we're hovering around nine or ten people right now, and I love all their stories. I don't know how many are going to actually jump in the water that day, and I know there's nine or ten of you right now that this is working on your hearts. But on that day, they declare they belong to Jesus. They go in the water. It's worship, and they rise up. It's all about Him. And we cheer, mad dog cheering, because it's like it's so big. But that is also their initiation into the body of Christ. We welcome them. It's just such a beautiful worship. And so it starts with belief, and we're going to be focusing on that next couple weeks. Um, one thing I brought up too, this is kind of off topic, but I missed it earlier. November 13th, you'll see this in our newsletter and everything. November 13th, write this down. We will only have one service here. We're going to all come together as one body. We're all going to worship together. We're going to break bread in communion, kind of like the ancient church. And then we're going to go have a food, chili feed. Uh, but we want to do it as one body. Ephesians all the way through this is a way building to this, that we want to just worship as one body that day. So that day, right down 10 a.m., that we're coming here, just one service, we'll send you a lot of reminders. So two things I want you to take away today. I want you to remember these. This is what the Holy Spirit's put on my heart, and I want you to begin to apply these. First, your sermon note, sixth one here. We are hardwired for continuous worship. This is something that we need to apply. God designed you and I to worship, to respond in love to him, but not just worship, continuous worship. What that means is that everything about us, we're designed that everything about us becomes worship. Our whole lives become worship. That's what continuous worship is. Like all day long, everything I'm doing, my job, my studies, everything is about him. And so that gets us to Psalm 146. And, and the reason why I held it up to the end is because it covers everything we just talked about in some way. And so I want to read this with you, but I want to read, it's long, it's not, I mean, it's kind of a medium-sized psalm, but I want to read just a couple of verses at a time, okay? But I want us to see everything we talked about in this together. This is continuous worship. So read with me, you ready? And those online, I want you to shout out of your living rooms so we can hear you all the way here. Ready, here we go. Praise the Lord. No, that's not good enough. Everything we just talked about, let's hit that one a little harder. Ready? Praise the Lord. Thank you. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Is that all? That's all. That's everything right there. That is whole heart, soul, and mind. Start off praising the Lord. Let me be like this. Let me be like this, that all that I have worships you, everything. All right, let's go to verse three. Praise the Lord. Whoop, back up. Ready? Start with don't. Verse three, don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth and all their plans die with them. And what this is doing is calling us to caution 
to be careful about putting our hope in something else putting our worship into something else specifically someone else you know in this era when they had kings and things same thing we deal with today be careful about our worship being something that it shouldn't be okay so there's a caution flag let's go to verse 5 but then 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 it flips again all right so let's do 5 and 6 together but joyful are those who have the god of israel as their helper whose hope is in the lord their god he made heaven and earth the sea and everything in them he keeps every promise forever so here's the worship of the god of, that we know uh, from everything that he's done remember we said we worship the god of everything he's done everything he's doing everything he will do here's here we are dealing with everything he's done he created us his hope is in every promise it's listed in every covenant he saved us over and over and over that's in here let's jump to the next verse uh, verse 7 now this is what he's doing now okay this is what he's doing now and he's done in the past ready he gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry the Lord frees the prisoners the Lord opens the eyes of the blind he lifts up those who are weighed down the Lord loves the godly the Lord protects the foreigners among us he cares for the orphans and widows but he frustrates the plans of the wicked there's everything that he's doing now today he's still there for the oppressed food for the hungry do you know when you guys watch Lawrence from our African church plant out there and they said they planned 61 churches but they're going through a severe famine we just cut a check to help buy basic food to help the church serve their people as they work through the famine that's how the body of Christ not hey look at us God called us to worship him and now we're sending as of right now they have the ability to buy rice beans and cornmeal to bake the basic needs of that community uh, three churches several hundred people and anybody that comes to those churches they can help he does that through us he frees the prisoners I'm not talking while we talk about the jail cells we're talking about the prisoners of our sin right he frees us he opens the eyes of the blind while it is the, the, the literal blind it's also those of us who aren't as the Holy Spirit reveals more and more and more he unblinds us to his word the Lord lifts up those who are weighed down he knows when we're heavy burden and he loves the godly he protects the foreigners among us because he's always drawn all nations to him he cares for the orphans and widows and he frustrates the plans of the wicked and he does that through his body that's us and when we respond and we do these things that's worship alright the exciting part is the end here verse 10 the Lord will reign forever he will be your God O Jerusalem throughout the generations praise the Lord so he reminds us not only what he's done what he's doing but what he's going to do his promises are true and one day one day we'll all be together again in perfect harmony through Christ when you look at this psalm go back and read it this week how much God gives us and it deserves a response of worship he is so worthy but the second thing I want you to remember coming out of this psalm and I want you to apply today and all of us apply every day is your last sermon note come to worship expecting to give not to get come to worship expecting to give not to get God takes care of the get right amen you look at that psalm he takes care of the get let us come to worship to give it's our response to him 
to him, uh, with him, and for him. Come expecting to give. Come to give. Give honor and glory to the Father through the Son and in the Spirit. And when we turn on that w- this week when we're driving and we turn on that worship song and all of a sudden we just re- are reminded, worship by giving first. When you start in prayer this week, uh, today, when you sit down and kneel down before him, start with praise. Start by giving. I always start with praise. I'm going to give because you've given me so much. Does he care about my list? He cares a lot about my list. 